Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. Happy Yom Kippur to all who celebrate. Or that's <laughs> It's not even going out on that. <laughs> uh is this a is this a sad holiday? I I, I am not one of your people, so I don't it isn't, uh, a, it is an atonement holiday. Um but certainly since we're uh recording about two grief songs, sure. It's a it's a very uh, welcome to our in memoriam episode of Song versus Song, I guess. We're going to get all sad and grievy and uh, weepy, I guess. We are doing Mariah Carey and Boys to Men's One Sweet Day versus Elton John's Candle in the Wind, 1997. Specifically that one that, uh, you know, for the for the time period, because for some reason we were incredibly sad in the 90s. Why? Things are great. Yeah. What were what was our problem? I don't know. Listen, this is weird. This episode's weird. How's it weird? Well, I understand why it's these two songs. Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, they both have connections to Lady Di, one more so than the other. Do they? They do. Technically, One Sweet Day was, was sang at, I think, like an award show or something, like as an in memoriam specifically for her. Uh, obviously, it's not about her, but was it sang with regards to the then or uh, Diana, Princess of Wales? Yes, 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 it was. So we were very sad about that happening. For me, despite all that, it's really hard not to feel as though the matchup should be One Sweet Day versus Under Pressure. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I completely understand what you're talking about. What? Really? No, I have no clue. What? A, a singer because they're duets singing with a band, and the song is very good. And also, <laughs> Rolling Stone had a, a list of like the best um, collabs, best like duet songs of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, Once we day is number one. Uh, we'll circle back around to that later, but um, Under Pressure was number two, and I thought. Those are two great songs, both of which, like, you you know, on the one hand, you have Queen and the other Boys to Men. And on one side, you have David Bowie and the other, you have Mariah Carey um, coming together to create a song. So to me, and also, um, weirdly, Under Pressure became a very sad song much later when, yeah, uh, both songs David, about- when David Bowie sang it with Annie Lennox and, and Queen. Yeah, okay, okay, well, that transforms it into both songs being about uh, someone who died of AIDS. Yes. So, see, there's a way to, there is a way to make my thing make sense. Shut up. <laughs> well, it sounds like you are comparing One Sweet Day to Under Pressure, one of the most beloved songs of our generation. So it sounds like you're going pretty hard for One Sweet Day, but, like, Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you like Candle in the Wind 1997 even more. I don't. <laughs> oh. I don't. Um, this is going to be a really interesting episode because, at least for me, I was at peak edgelord in 1997. <laughs> Weren't Like we edgelord, not even a word yet, but, you know, very but, flip. That's the year South Park came out. I, I guess I don't I don't know how much of that has an influence to do with anything, uh, but I don't know, man. I just didn't care about the Royals at all, <laughs> uh, and I was pretty spiteful um, about when people would sort of 
glorify anybody in death. It was something that I really hated when I was 17 years old, or I guess a teenager in general, you know, I, um, you know, I don't want to hang too hard a lantern on it, but like, uh, I used to do these stupid, terrible impressions, like these mean spirited impressions. Um, I don't know if you remember, but around that time, around that decade, I believe that there were, um, multiple men who were the poster guy men for the Marlboro man. So it wasn't just one guy. There were multiple guys multiple that were the Marlboro man. Vaguely, yes. I remember this. And I think multiple of them all died of smoke-related cancer in this time period. And, I remember that also. And I was very mean about it because <laughs> I thought that was, at the time, understand, at the time, hilarious. I mean, because it's not I, because not I fun. because I thought, ah, you deserve it for taking money from cigarette companies, you and, and smoking. Like this is like that type again, like a very yeah. edge lordy type. I mean, we life. we can we can we can get a, a, a grim chuckle out of someone dying in an ironic fashion. I think. Yeah, but I also would do. You're not going to get canceled for that. No, well, I mean, the point is that uh, you know, again, I was a teenager and at, at a time in my life when I was very angry all the time. And so the anger took the form of glib, mean-spirited humor, um, not towards people directly in front of me, but certainly towards famous people. Uh, uh-huh. If there was a way to make fun of a famous person, I'd do it. So I did that, and I remember I also like had a really terrible joke about Eric Clapton's son. So like, just <laughs> oh, not, a, wow. not, a, not a nice human being. Like, I'm not going to front. Like, I'm not saying this, like, isn't that funny? Isn't that cute in hindsight? No, I've, I have definitely heard my share of Eric Clapton's dead child jokes. That's weird. You, you keep, you keep terrible company, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, oh, man, that's another one. Another big sad about death songs. How are there so many of these in the 90s? Tears in Heaven. Yeah. What, what year did that come out? 90. 92, I want to say. Oh, uh, yeah. So a little. It, 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 you're correct. It's 92. I, I, um, cause I would have said that maybe versus Candle in the Wind for me. Yeah, actually, that does make more sense. But, uh, I already put up the poll, so they, I can't fix it now. Yeah, we're literally recording right now. <laughs> I know what's happening. <laughs> if I had thought of that, I would change it immediately. Um, anyway, here we are. And, and I guess my core conceit is I remember at the time really not liking Candle in the Wind 97 because I thought, who cares? And also, this will age badly. Well, part of the reason I put these two songs together is because it seems like both of these were unstoppably huge in uh, in in the '90s at the time, and uh, we weren't even in the UK. I can't even imagine how big it was. Uh, the Elton John one was over there. It was bigger here. I'm not sure that's true. Look it up. <laughs> like I believe, chart wise, I believe that but it was like, actually big. Yeah, I mean, like the a in number the of intangibles. Weeks. I feel like it was probably bigger over there. It was on the charts for a very long time here. In fact, it was on. I think like fourteen weeks at number one, and Jesus. the only the only song at the time that had beaten it was, in fact, one sweet one day. Sweet. Like the humongousness of both these songs just seems unfathomable to me now. Because the other thing was that you said it would age uh, badly, or at the 
at the very least, it aged weird. Both of these songs have aged extremely weird. One Sweet Day is not a song that people talk about as like this defining classic song, even though it was the longest running number one song of all time up till Old Town Road. And also, it was like a Mariah song during that era where she could do no wrong. Except that it's so... And yet. And yet. And I would say that the reason why for that is pretty simple, and that is that despite the fact that it is a Mariah song, it's really a boys to men song. Oh, that's a that's I feel like that's a bit of a hot take. Is it to me? Because they went part of the story is that they did not have a lot of time to record this song. Mm-hmm. And the boys two men mm-hmm. uh, came in and recorded their parts and Mariah sang with them. And then after they left, Mariah had to go in and add stuff because at that point, by the time <laughs> they left, it was too much of a boys to men song. So they had to add a little more in to make it more Mariah. I, I, you know, you brought up Under Pressure, and I saw someone describe Under Pressure once as like an exhibition match of like seeing who could, uh, you know, who could outfight the other, who could be the the bigger presence, Bowie or Freddie. And I that is certainly how Mariah seems to have approached this one. Like, can I outsing four guys at once? For for the uh, best vocalists of their time, and for the biggest vocalists of their time, because like boys to men were just unfathomably huge, also for a briefer time period than Mariah, but like they were humongous. But that's the thing, right? They faded out fast. Yeah, it was weird. They were like the one current pop group I knew as a kid who was not allowed to listen to pop music. I knew who boys to men were. I could sing at least. Well, those one of were their good songs. boys. Those boys were <laughs> good boys. Well, I wasn't allowed to, regardless. Uh, like the, I, I had a blanket ban from my parents on listening to anything current, and I could still sing "Thank You" by Boys to Men. That's that's how big it was, and no one remembers that song at all. There's a lot of songs of theirs that have kind of vanished a bit into the ether of time. Um, I mean, look, if you were to believe the sort of the more modern day uh, VH1 behind the music era as to why it is that boys to men vanished. It's because the white boy groups came in and took over and they got forgotten as a result. I don't know how much you want to accept that as a truth. If it was in fact because white people came in and stole their music or if it was simply that they did not have as much to offer as far as long-term songwriting composition. I think the... I think it was just something about the decline of that era of R&B. Like maybe we did not need so many two beat per minute, two beat per second songs about like uh, about sadness and crying and grief and death. Like because boys to men were a slow band. They did slow jam it. Um, but also and, they and made, the, the, they made like, love ba- to you if, if, if you wanted to. I don't know, but I think there was just a mood for something a little more upbeat. Like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were much louder than Boys to Men ever were. But like no one talks about it like it was one of the greatest hits of all time anymore. And they don't do that for Candle in the Wind 97 either. No one listens to the the Diana Ross, I mean the Princess Die version of Candle in the Wind. It's gone back to the original version. Like have you heard it once since 1997? 
I haven't, except when I choose to listen to it for uh, prepare for this podcast. <laughs> that is the first time that I have heard it in, in low these many decades. Quite honestly, I'm not sure I've ever heard it ever in the past until the past week. Like when I was listening to it, it's like, actually, this doesn't really sound very familiar. Do people wait on? Do people know what it is still, though? Candle in the Wind 1997. Should we recap it for the children? Sure. Maybe they don't know. Okay. Uh, Princess Diana. Well, they should know who Princess Diana is because she's all over the place all of a fucking sudden. There's all sorts of biopics and documentaries and, and TV shows about Diana. I'm not sure why, but that is a thing that is happening all of a sudden. Uh, so Elton was right. Her legend didn't burn out. But what happened was Bernie Taupin and Elton John wrote a song about Marilyn Monroe in 1973 called Candle in the Wind. 20 years later, Elton, on the verge of being knighted probably, makes friends with uh, the people's princess, Princess Diana. And in 1997, she dies in a car wreck caused by paparazzi. That's um, what... There's a lot of conspiracy around it, but certainly we can say that she was being chased around by the pap. Actually, I'd heard like recently, like maybe this is a tabloid thing, but like recently it was like it debunked. There was no paparazzi. So, you know, the driver was just being an idiot. I don't I don't know. And we can we can certainly talk about that stuff a little because it's kind of hard not to. But I don't I don't know. Elton Elton John rewrites his song about Marilyn Monroe to be about Princess Diana, and it becomes a humongous hit here and even more so in the UK. In number of weeks, it was not as big in the UK, but but I, I think if you like measured the peak or like the total sales, it would probably dwarf every other song from that year. It was just concentrated in that first week. That first week's peak was so big. Well, it was like also was, that, 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 you know, the, it was going towards charity. It was a charity song. Right. And that was a th- like I was reading other people's recollections of it. It was like, yeah, outside the record stores, there were signs that you could only buy five at a time. Like, that's insane. Like, that's like BTS Stan behavior. But it's for Elton John, a man. But who it's, was but like it's his, not. It's not for Elton John at all. Yeah. It's for it's for as they call her in in the French film Amelie Lady D. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard for me to really grasp that not being British about the outpouring of grief for Lady Di. Like we were both teenagers, edgy mean teenagers apparently. But well, even at the time, I also one of us. At the time, I also didn't get it. I was like, who is she? Why does she matter? I do not understand. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's embarrassing looking back on it now, isn't it? You look back and you're like, kind of seems like I should have known some of this stuff. Some of this stuff is important. <laughs> should have known about it. Feel like an asshole. I don't know. Like really? The, the old, All right. The older I get, the more like, no, I, I don't need to know about you royals. I don't care about any of you. That's your problem. Hmm. I mean, I don't care about royals as a rule, but uh, I don't care about the ruling class as a rule. That's that's (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But I do think that um, Lady Di uh, of Wales, Spencer, is a little different. How so? Uh, Boy, 
is this the place to put this? Sure, why not? So the the thing that people generally remember her for now is her activism and her charity work, which, you know, I'm not in the charity business uh, unless you mean on the receiving end. I'm poor. Uh, but, like, I've seen people describe her as having had more influence in multiple charities and in charity work in general than any other human being on the face of the earth in the 20th century. And I was like, that's a hugely bold thing to say. I don't know if it's true, but if you were to say that she's one of the most influential figures of the 20th century, as far as uh, charity work is concerned, I would say, yeah, it's probably right. Well, that's why it was so big. But like just to your ears and not just as a edgy 13 year old or 17 year old, I guess. But like as a person living now, it seems like you were going for one sweet day over Candle in the Wind 97, which is at the very least is connected to a song that has a lot more shelf life. What what is the reason for that? I don't like Candle in the Wind. You know what? I don't either. Oh, that's a relief. That's a relief. People, people out in, in, in TV land, I'm sure, will be shocked and appalled. But it's nice to know that the two of us are not big fans of the – it's just – the thing about Elton, and there's kind of um, a lot of layered thoughts that I have about this, but there are some Elton John songs that I like very much, and we've done other episodes about Elton John, and I've defended albums of his that are not even considered to be his best because I think that he actually has a lot – to say and a lot to offer as far as composition and recording is concerned. But when he gets treacly, when he does what, you know, what they, what John Lennon used to call granny shit about Paul McCartney. Right. Elton, Elton John can out granny shit Paul McCartney any day of the week. Do you know what I mean? Does this, does this connect with you in any way? Do you mean, is that in a good way or a bad way? In a bad way. Like the, 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 this very, I don't know. It's like very Vaseline on the lens. Like, yeah, like very like candles all around and in the wind, in the wind. Apparently there's, there's, there's like a fan going. Mm -hmm. It just feels kind of disingenuous. Maybe not candle in the wind 97. Um, I think it's important to keep in mind that the original candle in the wind is not actually about Marilyn Monroe. Like Bernie Toppin has been pretty clear about this. It, she's her name is dropped because she is a good, quick reference, a representation mm-hmm. of the kinds of people that he was writing about. But it's not specifically just about her. It's about anybody in any time period whose life gets snuffed out too soon. He really liked the term "candle in the wind." He just thought, "Oh, that's such a great way of of describing the life of somebody," and. So he thought about all these. Was it Clive Davis? Because it, it seems was, like it's it probably was, it was Clive Davis. Yeah. So Clive, I I kept wanting to say Clive Owens, which <laughs> <laughs> doing great. Really got my shit together. Anyway, so this was a term that uh, Bernie Toppin really liked. He'd heard it and he just like got stuck in his head. But you know, he I, there were points in which he was like, you know, this could be about like Sylvia Plath. It could be about Kurt Cobain. It could be about anybody. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's not really specifically about just her. Which I think it helps the song a little bit. I think my my big criticism always at the time of the 97 version is that it's so specifically about just one human being that it gets it gets a little harder for me to connect to it. And I would just assume that it would be hard for anybody to connect to 
who doesn't specifically know who Princess Diana is and doesn't have a strong tie to her history and strong opinions about her. But in general, the song is just very treacly sounding, very over-emotional in a way that, like, what comparison do I want to draw? Um, You ever um, see somebody cry really hard and it makes you not able to cry at all? Yes. But you see somebody, like, you know they want to cry, but they can't quite get there, or they're trying to hold it in, and it makes you sob intensely. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, like that. I, Candle in the Wind, both of inter- incarnations, feels very much like somebody sobbing openly and, and me just gumming up and being like, ugh, I can't. <laughs> this makes me feel nothing. I mean, my my problem with Candle in the Wind, nine, uh, the original at least, is uh, you, you didn't know Marilyn Monroe. This This is weird. It's a weird song. You didn't know her. And like, it's weird for you to be like offended at the way she was treated by men when you are doing something weird with her memory also. So in that regard, I feel like I should like the 97 one more because it was about like someone they did actually know. I don't know. And yet, because like, I don't, I know that Elton John knew her. I don't know how well he knew her. Um, I, my understanding is that she was a fan of his. Mm-hmm. As is the entire world. Sure. <laughs> um, certainly, um, if we're talking the mid nineties, true kind of peak Elton at that point, as far as like worldwide success. Um, I don't know, like has, has he ever been as big before or since as can you feel the love tonight? I don't know. It's hard to say because he was always been successful. He has been consistently on the charts for like 30 years. I th- like literally, I think there was like not a year went by that he wasn't on the charts for a good 30. It's like, but like when is peak Elton? Uh, it's hard to say, but like certainly the nineties were good to him, even better than the eighties were arguably. And the eighties were you know pretty decent for him. It's a weird decade. I mean, for so many reasons, but um, I do think about the Elton thing because you, you have to remember that um, when she passed away, um, he performed this song once and it was for her funeral. And then never again. Not once. And, and, and he's never played it since. So you, you get the, the feeling that there is a genuine feeling behind it. And very specifically, so um, – you can find footage of him kind of coming in to the church where they're, where he's going to perform and where everybody's going to come in and speak. And when he comes in, he comes in and it's him and his partner. And the third person that they walk in with is George Michael. Mm-hmm. And the thing to really remember, um, and again, like this is like such a weird thing to say because I was an idiot 17-year-old, so I didn't look into it, didn't know, didn't care, didn't care to care. And um, so I don't know what people now do or don't know in the era where you can Google something or look at a wiki page, you know. But Princess Diana of Wales was extremely good to gay men with HIV and AIDS in a way that most public figures simply were not. In fact, very specifically, the royals did not like that she was quite as literally touchy-feely as she was, but she felt that it was important that people – see her a famous woman well-to-do royal touching holding hugging 
people who had AIDS who were sensibly in the, the dying phase of AIDS saying like, this is okay. It is not dangerous for you to hold their hand, to hug them because God knows they fucking need it is profound. Uh, it's not hard to understand why these men would have a very strong feeling about her. Whatever else you might think of her long career in the public eye, that fact is undeniable. You cannot deny that that was the way that she spoke. Those were the actions she chose. And so her death for the LGBT community and especially gay men during that time was felt deeply a thing that I didn't give a shit about in 1997 because <laughs> I was an idiot. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Like I said, like maybe I was just numb to this as a kid also. Like I I didn't know any of that, but like I I understood that like having a family member die in tears of heaven would be like the worst thing in the universe. I understood that. And yet tears in heaven did nothing for me. And Candle in the Wind 97 did nothing for me. And as I listened to it this week for maybe the first time, I don't know. But as I listened to it this week, I was like, man. Elton is performing like he doesn't want to be doing this. He is uncomfortable sounding in a way I don't think I realized before. I don't know how to put this, but it seems like he just doesn't want to be doing this. Like he's just like uncomfortable. Like who who does? Who would want to? Who would enjoy doing that? Well, do you know the story behind it? Uh, his friend died and Elton and Bernie got together to uh, record it. No, I mean. Oh, no. The performance. Do you know that the Royals... Up until the very last second, it was unknown whether or not he'd even be doing it. There was a lot of disagreement on whether or not this was the right decision. There were a lot of people who felt that it would be too emotional, that it would be a bad way to send her off. There were there was a lot of disagreement among the royal family about the appropriateness of this thing. So I imagine that in both the live performance— and even the uh, George Martin produced recording that he probably had some really conflicted emotions about whether or not he was doing the right thing. I think that's the thing that that you're hearing. Not that like the, I mean, I guess he's strained in that way. I think you I think you are are kind of connecting to something true. Right, that it seems mm-hmm. like he almost doesn't want to be doing it. He's not sure about doing it. There's a part of him that is afraid that this thing that he's trying to do to speak to a person that he at least knew to some degree and whose influence on his community was deeply powerful, moving, and ultimately helpful, um, he just didn't want to hurt her. He didn't want to hurt her reputation, and yet he did it and then raised like – this, I mean, this ridiculous, ridiculous amount of money that was then sent out across all of her charities. But you know, he still regrets it. I did not know that, actually. He There's an interview with Elton where he said that he felt that the song stayed popular for so long that it prolonged people's grief, that it actually made the grief elongated and worse, and that he felt really conflicted and guilty like maybe the song ultimately was a mistake. Which <laughs> like is, would we would we still be mourning her now if if not for Elton John? I don't I mean I it's a very strange but interesting question. 
to ask. Because, I mean, th- consider this. I think it's something wild. Like uh, there was like I think like half a million people worldwide or whatever who had watched um, Diana and Charles get married. But it was something like three billion people worldwide watched that funeral. Three billion. Uh, which is I mean like what what can you think of that would ever like who could die today that that many people well, I don't would have that reaction that. I don't know if there is anyone I don't know if fame exists cuz fame has been so diffused Yeah if, is anyone that famous anymore I don't know Uh I mean the second it happens we'll know it I guess but. so but I will say that it felt like a singular moment Certainly, because I remember part of the reason why I didn't like it is because I didn't know what was going on, but I couldn't escape it. And I think as a, as a kid, there's nothing more annoying than feeling stupid of something. You like you don't want to feel like a like an idiot, especially when it's something emotional when people are crying and stuff. Like I don't know, for me, I I felt like my emotions really turned off because. I didn't understand and therefore it wasn't real and therefore shut up, which is a stupid teenage way to look at the world. But, you know, I was a teenager and stupid and looking at the world in a stupid way. All right. Well, you said the Candle in the Wind 97 is granny shit and you didn't like how it seemed like Vaseline on the lens, uh, you know, type of music. And yet you seemed pretty complimentary for one sweet day. Which, if there is any kind of Vaseline on the lens soundtrack, it's got to be that, right? I don't know that I agree with that. Well, I mean, I, it's a it's, it's an R and B ballad, and it's like a particularly kind of lush '90s R and B ballad. I guess, and yet, I don't know. I kind of wanted to make one last Elton about- John statement. Okay. So, around this time. This this era of uh, of Elton, uh, I would say he released he released an album in '95 called "Made in England." Are you familiar? I was made in England. Yes, um, that and like believe I feel like were kind of like the big and and blessed. Like I guess those are like the the three tracks off of that record. But um, if you listen to them, it's part of that era of '90s music that. Um, First of all, composition-wise, not very interesting. Feels very retro in a way. Um, doesn't feel like it's looking forward in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm not sure lyrically it says anything to me of particular interest. But more than anything, sonically, production-wise, it's that very wall of sound. It's just all one sound. All at the same volume, all the time. And it's loud, not like heavy metal loud, but just like voluminous. You feel like you're caught up in the the the, the, the like Elton John skirt or something. Like <laughs> that's one way to put it. Like, like 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 you can't find your way out of it. Like you're a little kid that like crawled into like one of those circles full of like clothing when you go to the the, the clothing store. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then you can't find your way out. Like. That's what that sounds like to me, um, is what that that sound is what that moment feels like. Um, panicked and awkward and what is happening. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, One Sweep Day for the R&B ballad simplicity of it, because it's Boys to Men and Mariah, 
there is a kind of sonic complexity to it that makes it not feel treacly to me. That makes it not boring to me, makes it not granny shit to me in the way that the slow moving all just kind of sounds flat of Elton John's music of that era. Because keep in mind, I also don't like Can You Feel the Love Tonight? I don't, <gasps> like, I don't like that song. I don't like Circle of Life. These, <gasps> songs don't, these songs don't do it for me. I would say I un, genuinely think it's, you know, Elton John is so powerful in this moment. You know, that power of Disney is so um, unimpeachable. Like, wh- what are you going to do? How are you going to escape it? It's just so potent. And yet, it is an era of Elton John that I detested then and still detest <laughs> now. I find it sonically boring. I don't know. If you don't like Elton at what is like one of his peaks, one of his many peaks, then uh, Mariah in, uh, in 1995, 1996 was just practically untouchable. Yes, like if anyone could outdo Elton in bigness in that particular moment in time, it would have been Mariah. And Boysman, I guess we're like a bit of a downward slide, although you wouldn't know it from this gigantic ass song. It seems like mo- nowadays, all I hear is people talking about how One Sweet Day isn't very good. Like if they bring it up at all, like it has had almost no cultural footprint except for like one joke in Daria. Do you remember <laughs> that? What was the joke? Oh, um, some kid died at their school. The one who called Daria Misery Chick. Oh, yeah. And like the principal makes one joke is like, come on, hurry up. We got to get here, get through this memorial and we got to get through uh, the choir singing one, the school choir singing One Sweet Day. <laughs> I don't I So I think that for me as, as a Boys to Men fan mm-hmm. and because Boys to Men love doing about it like we established earlier. This kind of worked for me because it slotted into expectation, right? Like, I love It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. I mm. I love, um, uh, what do you call it? The other one, End of the Road. End of the Road. End of the Road is, like, outrageous good. I bought that on a tape single and would listen to it over and over again when I was on my way to band practice. Or like band recital back when I played the saxophone in like <laughs> grade six or whatever. But I just thought that song was so good because I liked the harmonies. I was just a sucker for it. And so if you get Boys to Men harmonies plus Mariah, Mariah Whistletone Carey, come on. To me, whether or not that song stands the test of time as far as sheer listens and clearly it doesn't because if you look on Spotify it has nowhere near as many listens as a lot of other songs of both Mariah and Boys to Men I mean if you sit down and listen to it there's some good stuff going on uh, I have uh, kind of kept this one close to the vest but uh, let me just say this now I fucking love One Sweet Day I absolutely fucking adore this song I would say I like it more than Fantasy which Whoa. I think is a, a pretty rare opinion. It is. I mean, fantasy is like the Mariah song, if it's not uh, the Christmas one. 
All I want for Christmas for you. I don't know. For me, the boy, I can't say the name of the title. Go ahead. Proceed. For me, the Mariah song is always be my baby. It goes like all these songs came out in the same year. So for me, it goes always be my baby. Then all I want for Christmas is you. Then one sweet day, then fantasy. And I feel like that's a pretty like almost anyone, even the one people who love this song would probably rank one sweet day at the bottom. But for me, like those three songs are just like all tens. Yeah. I mean, we've had, I think, this conversation once before because my The Mariah song is Dream Lover. That's, that's, I, I love Dream Lover too. I would not put it in like the, uh, the, the top tier or it was like almost the top tier. It, it is for me only because it's the first time I ever heard her voice. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's the before times and the after times for things. There is the time in my life before I heard Mariah Carey sing and there's after. Because she does have such a sweet tone to her voice. One sweet tone, yes. Yes. And it just sounds so lovely. It's so pleasing to the ear that you could be in a bad mood. And if you just hear her sing a couple of bars, you will feel better. Like when you watch old Disney movies and, you know, and then the Disney princess comes out and sings her song, you're like, ah, there's nobody like that in real life. Mariah Carey is that. (laughs) Mariah Carey is like a real life Disney princess. She could come out and sing and the birds would come down and and the forest creatures would help her put on her clothes and put together a house, put some Ikea furniture together. And then go help her find a man if she wanted one or whatever. Like, she's got the juice in a way that like literally no other human being ever has or maybe ever will. There's a there's a an effortlessness to Mariah that comes across. Like, it always sounds like she's singing because that is what she feels like doing at this particular moment. It never sounds like she's working for it. And that is what I've always loved about her. That's like what sets her apart from all the over-singers that ever followed her all the American idols, all the Christina Aguilera's when she does it, it doesn't sound like she's really doing much of anything. She's just like feels good in that moment. And that is how she, uh, that is how she expresses it. Just as simple as smiling. That is what I've always loved about Mariah. And one sweet day specifically, I think it one edge it has over a candle in the wind 97 or any candle in the winds is that it's not about a specific person. I mean, hold on, that's not true. It is about a specific person. It's actually about multiple people, multiple specific people. Yeah, one thing I didn't know before researching this is that it started out as two separate songs. Mariah was writing something for one of the CNC Music Factory guys who had worked with her on her first couple albums and who had passed of AIDS, tragically. That's another thing I did not know. That's why CNC Music Factory didn't uh, do do anything after 1991. And Boys to Men were mourning their manager who got uh, shot during an, an MC. elevator. Wild. It was uh, while they were opening for MC Hammer in 1992. And and, uh, and also, I believe that Mariah was feeling a lot of stress about um, was it her sister? And there was a her sister also had HIV. Also, yeah, and she was really she afraid still, of the idea of losing her. Yeah, although her sister is still alive and well today. An important, an important fact. Like, thank you for putting the little asterisk there. Um, But I think, can I say really quick? I want to say that in the MC Hammer VH1 made-for-TV movie biopic, 
they do include this scene of boys to men's uh, manager being killed, but it's a fictional rapper instead of boys to men. And the rapper kills the manager himself because he is so tired of being upstaged by MC hammer and he blames the manager and he kills him. It is the stupidest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, wow. you know, I, I, I can't believe that the, the boys of boys to men <laughs> did not collectively get together and just beat the parachute pants of MC. Hammer. <laughs> what, no, what you, the, I mean, Oh, whoever made that movie, I guess. Yeah. Well, God, you don't that's f- fucked. That's fucked up. <laughs> yes. Like they were the fictional rapper soul Lixer was so angry that they booked MC Hammer as their opening act and that kept getting blown off stage by him that they killed. Oh, anyway, that's yes. fucked. Uh, but let me, here's the thing. Okay. This, uh, this song, this song that is one sweet day, which is about the idea of like the one sweet day is when you get to die, which is what the song is about. The yes. song, the one sweet day you're thinking of in the song is, or that Mariah is singing about is like, when I die and get to be with these people that I've lost, like that's we'll be reunited. Yes. That's deeply sad. That is so sad. And yet when you listen to that song, it's kind of uplifting, isn't it? Yes. It's extremely uplifting. It's like, I didn't realize this till like I had to actually think about this song for the first time ever, but no, I don't feel sad listening to this song. And like when you compared it to Under Pressure, like something unlocked for me just now. I was like, no, I am. I'm listening to this to enjoy this exhibition match of like the greatest singers on earth trying to outsing each other. And it's amazing. Like, but I don't just, think it's, about it's, any of the. But it's touching in a way that, that doesn't make you feel like weird to say, but it's like it's not a bummer. Like the song does not bum me out. That song makes me feel good. Which is yeah. a thing that that no version of Candle on the Wind ever did for me. <laughs> no, Candle on the Wind 97 especially is like a massive bummer. Like, I can't imagine people like, like, people were buying it for charity or like people were buying it like the same way that people buy like memorial magazines of Diana that they still sell in the in the supermarket. One Sweet Day, I can imagine people actually enjoying that much for that long, like 16 weeks or however long. It was at number one. That for me is like just like the easy edge. That once we day is the better song for that reason. I just enjoy listening to it. I enjoy like every single, all four boys, two men, and all one of Mariah Carey is just going for it. Yeah, I mean, we talked for a long time, but that's kind of the bottom line for me is that yeah. one of these songs uplifts me, and then the other one is just sad. And doesn't make me feel better. And even sitting down, because I listened to it before I even said, let me let me refamiliarize myself with all the details of um, the Princess of Wales' tragic life. I listened to it the first time, and I thought, I don't like this at all. And then I, you know, sat and, and read and thought about her for a while. And then I listened to the song again, and I squirted out some tears about it. And I still felt bad. <laughs> no catharsis thought, at all. I was like, yeah, it just, I was like, I was like, this does not make me feel good. Um, it does not feel like, you know, I, 
there are a lot of there are a lot of things to say, but in the end, I just think it boils down to Candle on the Wind ninety seven just doesn't do anything good for me. Whereas One Sweet Day does nothing but good shit for me. Yeah, I mean the the imagery of One Sweet Day is is heaven, right? You know, pearly gates, clouds, sunshine, happy reunion with all your missing loved ones, and the central metaphor of Candle in the Wind is a candle in the wind just like being snuffed out that easily didn't even have a never had a chance that's a that's a dismal image isn't it i think there's a way i mean i i get why the the phrase is interesting because i you know i think there's a way to um to talk about it right in a way that i i think is touching and, and profound and powerful and i don't think it misses completely i just think it ultimately like looking at it cumulatively it doesn't quite work but you know the point is that she lived her life like a candle in the wind, which is that like people were constantly trying to snuff her out. Yeah. And she managed to burn very brightly for the time that she had. And even though, um, the light itself has actually gone out, the memory of that light is so powerful that it will be remembered forever is actually very beautiful. Uh, I just don't know that the song quite executes that the way that I, I want it to. One gets the feeling that Bernie Toppin kind of punched that thing out the door, right? Like, like how long did they even have for the rewrite? I wonder. I wonder how much time I mean, he it actually was, it all, spent on it. Yeah, it all seemed like it happened very quick. Maybe like, I'm misremembering like, I, I would it, say that like, feels it, they, fast. Yeah, they pumped out, I, I got to say, in like a week or like at two at the most. It's such a heavy lift. And, you know, you're. I don't want to linger on it too long, but there's a, there's a, a conversation that people have about um, Princess Diana and and certainly about a lot of people, but she's very emblematic of this, which is that when someone is alive, there's, you know, and someone's famous, like you'll talk about everything, right? You talk about people too much, right? You talk about the good, the bad, you know, the things you heard, all the conspiracies, and then somebody dies and then things can shift very suddenly. I don't know if this is true anymore, but certainly at this point in, in human history, you know, Princess Diana was somebody that people uh, had lots of opinions about, things that she did that they liked, things that they did that she didn't. There are people that loved her. There are people who hated her. Basically, from the uh, the moment she died, she became like a saint. Yes. And, you know, she was like beatified. It's very, very strange. It's very inhuman. And I think that for me, listening to Candle in the Wind in 1997 – and now, I think this is the one thing that that I have in common with my 17-year-old self is it feels surreal. It feels unreal. It feels inhuman to write a song for her in this way and subtract so much. I understand the intention, but it takes away part of the light that the song is purporting to talk about, if that makes sense. That does make sense. So I don't hate the song, but I just can't get myself to a place where I'm like, wow, I love this. This moves me. It makes me feel complicated and kind of dirty. I think that makes sense. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. I All look right. forward to people not liking that opinion. Like, if you like <laughs> the song, that's, I'm not telling you you can't. I don't know. I, I feel like this is, like, not not a thing you're going to get canceled for or anything or like, or even like get much pushback at all. Like well, I people don't, who disagree, look, like no one like cares about these. 
I well, I don't know anything. Like, that's a, that's an impossible thing to answer. How much yeah. how much people care or don't care about things. What I want to get forth is that just as with all things, you know, when you have an opinion about something, it's just yours. I feel like because there are always going to be people that have there will always be people that have these very strong feelings about um, Diana Spencer and and her life. Uh, you always want to qualify and be like if. If, if her life still means a lot to you and this song therefore also means a lot to you, that is okay. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't feel that way. That's, that makes sense to, to me for you. It just doesn't make sense to me for me. All right. Well, are you ready for uh, whatever we do next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remind me what, uh, how we yeah, after, we, okay. after, after we blah, blah, blickety bullshit for 10 billion years, we try to circle the wagons and use these questions to make it all make sense. Question number one, Todd, all right. Uh, one of these songs is sticking around. It's going to be around forever. Other one, going to vanish like it never happened. For the culture, which of these songs has to stay? That's weird because like I was saying, it feels like both these songs have uh, been erased. Like It's already happened. Some, yeah. It's like, like which one would matter more to... Like I want to say... Uh, one sweet day simply because I like it more. But I, even though I know that's not the question, but like Mariah doesn't need this song. Boys to men doesn't need the, this song, even though it is like their commercial peak. They still have tons of other songs, tons of other similar songs. Not maybe not like about uh, memorials, but sad songs or like ballads. They both have a bunch of them. Elton, uh, Candle to win 97. That feels like a very ancillary part of the die memorial experience i don't know i don't know like if it's just going to be which one i like more it's going to be one sweet day i think this is going to be a rare moment for me todd other than the fact that candle like the the argument i'd make in favor of candle on the win 97 is it did raise a lot of money for charity okay there we go That's- so if i if i was going to pick one that would be but it's like a weird reason isn't it yeah, it has nothing to do with the song itself. Like if we're just it has talking to do about with the, songs, the culture, which is what what you said it was going to be about, like the culture is like, I don't know. I, I mean, like culturally, charity does <laughs> to discount towards culture. I don't know. Yeah. Listen, um, that's the best argument I can make. But if we subtracted that and said that that doesn't matter, my honest answer is that you could erase them both and it would have almost no impact on the globe. Almost none. Um, right. Well, it would it would affect me in that I liked one of them more. So, okay. I would, my argument is for candle on the wind because of the money it raised, but that's it. That's the yeah, only that, thing I can say. That's a, that's a decent argument. I feel like. Okay. Question number two, you can experience soup to nuts, the entire experience of the creation of one and only one of these two songs, uh, including music video, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like what, what, what do we want to say? You could be at princess Diana's funeral. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was televised some, pe- life, some people like, would be fascinated, riveted to be in that space, I suppose. Uh, not me, but, uh, again, I'm, you know, for the, for the sake of people thinking about this at home, as they listen to this very important podcast, um, which of the songs is the one that you want to see how the, the, uh, sausage got made. I feel like seeing, uh, Boys to men at work. Boys to men at work is, nice. a, is a matchup. Okay, but I, I feel like seeing them together would be more interesting. Versus, I mean, Elton would have just been so miserably sad and unhappy, and like I, I, I'm not sure I'd want to be around that energy. But like 
being around Prime Mariah in like her biggest diva mode. I think that would be fun. And I, I would like to see the chemistry between her and Boys to Men, honestly. Yeah. But wait, do I get to know what actually happened? About what? In France. Oh, <laughs> would you get to would see I get it? to would I get to actually know what happened, the truth of her death? Gosh. No. The answer is no. This is a stupid thing to say. Yeah, it's boys it's boys to men and Mariah Carey, no doubt, no doubt. All right. Question number three. This this feels very easy, <laughs> I guess. Megan Lee Stallion gonna get up to a, a a night of hot girl shit. I guess what's she's gonna get up to a night of sad girl shit <laughs> in the way that only Meg can. Um, she's put on a playlist to get ready <laughs> to get sad <laughs> on her way to a funeral. I guess. <laughs> God, Art. don't say that. All right, all right. Ah, that's on her, terrible. Anyway, on her look, way to which, Tory Lanez's career's funeral. Oh. Pfft. Well, no, she's listening to happy music if that's what's happening. Okay. Uh, that's that's a whole other story. Anyway, yikes. yikes. Yikes on bikes, as we used to say 10, 15 years ago. Um, no one ever said that. Uh, I mean, people typed it. People okay. typed it. And doesn't that count? Anyway, which one of these songs, Now and Forever, is sad girl shit? Which one of these songs, Now and Forever, is sad girl shit? I feel like people still listen to One Sweet Day. Not a whole lot, but, you know, at least a portion I don't think anyone's listening to Candle in the Wind 97. And uh, even the saddest Mariah song is Hot Girl Shit. That's correct. That's 100% correct. Although I will yeah. say, Elton does do weird collaborations. And if Elton John came to <laughs> Meg and said, let's do something, I would hope she'd say yes. You mean like the 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 Dua Lipa and Britney Spears ones he did in, in the last year? Yeah, that's what I want. I want that for him and for Meg. That sounds weird. And I don't know if it would be good, but I'd want to hear it. Yeah, I, I think that would probably be lousy, but it is a thing want, that could be done. I, want to, I do want to know. Yeah. Like, like, all right, let's say Elton John's going to team up with Megan Thee Stallion or Mariah. I, I feel like Mariah is more likely. I didn't say what's more likely. I which say, would which be one better? do you want? I mean, it's, it's got to it's, it's gotta be Mariah. Just no the way. Energy. That sounds like it would be so boring. That sounds like it would be so dull. That sounds like it would be so musty. Yeah, I mean, like Mariah and Whitney teamed up for a duet that is just thoroughly forgettable. So I guess like the the energy. I'm, might I'm sorry. Not be are there. you are you referring to? Is that the one from um, Prince of Egypt? Yeah. Prince of Egypt. It is. All right. Listen, there can be miracles if you believe. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I, uh, I'm going to assume that's that's a lyric from the song, which I do not remember. It at wow. All. all right. Well, on this, the high holy day. Yep. Talking shit. I mean, it's the wrong <laughs> holiday. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. This is the talking about Prince of Egypt on Yom Kippur yeah. is would be it would be like if some like major American politician posted a picture of a menorah <laughs> and had also th- thought the Jews had space lasers. Yeah, that'd yeah, be yeah, the, yeah. That'd be if a weird you're, thing. If, you, if you're wondering what we're talking about, d- don't worry. It's terrible. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, question number four, the most important question, not just of the, the show, but the most important question to all human creation. William Shatner, thespian, equestrian, musician? We're going to give it to him. He's going to do a William Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Todd! Which one of these songs must be shot upon? 
Um, I am tempted to uh, go here with one sweet day simply because like his normal speaking voice is like oddly similar to Elton John's already. And I don't know how much he'd add versus uh, I would want to see him try to do Mariah. (laughs) William Shatner's whistle tone. (laughs) And like for every syllable that Mariah sings with William Shatner has to match it. That sounds amazing. I'm in. Like when uh, when Mariah sings smile, you have to hit every syllable. You have to go smile, Shatner. That's how this has to work. Yeah. Now there's a terrible argument to be made that a Shatner maniacal, a maniacal Shatner version of Candle in the Wind, <laughs> like Over the top. like the Tambourine Man. Uh, yeah. Shatner um, would be so upsetting, so deeply upsetting, it would come around the other end <laughs> and be hilarious, except for the people who would be deeply aggrieved, wounded, and not ever recover from it, which I guess is the reason to go against it. But man, for a minute, it would be the funniest thing you'd ever heard, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. It like, would be grinning like- the whole time. It seemed to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind. Yeah, it would irrevocably make the world worse, but like just for that moment. I mean, the world's ending anyway. <laughs> yes. Let's just see what terrible things we can do to it. <laughs> anyway, I yes. think it's about time for some reader comments. Yes, thank Christ. Let's go. All right. Mark Cope writes, The original Candle in the Wind is a stone-cold classic, but as tragic as it was that a young woman died, down with the fucking monarchy. I think uh, I think the anti-monarchists put a few more votes for Mariah in this I, one. Yeah, we didn't talk about that really at all, but um, for sure, for sure, a lot of people hate the royals, and there are a lot of very good reasons to hate the concept of royalty. Actually, now that I think about it, if you're an anti-monarchist, are you pro-Candle in the Wind or anti? Are you pro-Diana well, or anti? It's an interesting question. I think people go um, both ways. I think people are very by royal. I don't know what I was trying for a joke and it just didn't happen. Um, But I don't know the answer to that question. I I, I think that there are simply people that liked her because she did the kinds of things that the royals didn't like. And then yet she still also was like raised royal adjacent and therefore there are going to be people that hate her no matter what. And also not like some of the things that she did. Anyway, I thought about that too much. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> All right. The Omega Geek writes, Mariah Carey's voice always hit my particular ears like a fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm sure she's a nice person or whatever, but yeah. And then Violet Esposito adds, yeah, she's definitely not a nice person. What? I'm sorry, who's not a nice person? Mariah. Oh, well. Uh, I I don't know her, so... Who am I to say? Yes, did you get your did you get your own joke? Yes, I, I don't know her. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm sure you know Mariah has an ego on her. I like, just don't. If I, if she's I never I made it sing, my problem. Yeah, if I could, uh, if I could do the things Mariah could, I would also have uh, that kind of ego. Wow, you're really revealing something about you. Yeah. But fortunately, I have no talents whatsoever. So, Joe Stratman writes, 
Boys to Men was at the Nebraska State Fair a couple of years before they got into the sweet Geico commercial nostalgia money. They need the win more. It is weird how like Boys to Men like kind of like dropped off the face of the earth after being like one of the biggest pop stars of the decade. I think they just kind of ran out of stuff. There's just a limited number of things that that they were going to do. I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love them, as you know, as has been well established. I am a diehard for them, but I kind of get why it is that the globe in general is not. Yeah. All right. Joel Thomas writes, I definitely prefer the strongly of its time and somewhat oversung soul R&B ballad inspired by victims of the AIDS epidemic over a retread song that apparently can be written for completely different famous people just by slapping a year in the title and adding a few bullet point lyrical details. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, there there is something weird about, like, the plug-and-play. Yeah, uh, like, I don't know. I Look, I just don't want to lose the fact that uh, Princess Diana did a lot of very important work for people with AIDS. A lot. <laughs> let's, yeah. just not, let's not forget that there is a reason why the, this thing happened in the first place. It wasn't just that Elton John kind of had gotten to know her. It was that yeah. she had a very profound influence on that particular community. All right. Vince Whitaker writes, The original Candle in the Wind was an interesting lyric about fame and the cost thereof with a compelling musical framework structure around it. 1997 was a paint-by-numbers job that comes off as an unfunny parody, more morning zoo than Weird Al. Like a morning morning radio DJ parody of the original that isn't funny, I guess is what he's saying. I don't know if I agree. Do you agree? Do you, did you, did you I don't know. I think, think it, that's true. It's, a, it's an opinion I respect, let's say. Okay. I don't know. I certainly saw like a bunch of like parodies of Elton after it like Elton John plays your funeral skits and stuff like that. Well, in fact, doesn't he appear on South Park, which you brought up earlier? Well, he was part of Chef Aid, I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. Championess writes, of the people memorialized in these two songs, only one had a hand in making everybody dance now. So that's where my allegiances lie. Like, whatever you want to say about Princess Di and her great achievements, I think we can all agree she never made Gonna Make You Sweat, parentheses, Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory. And so her legacy will just never live up to that. Uh, okay. Everybody mourn now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got a lot of third-party votes for this, including uh, a couple for um, a matchup that I'm actually saving for a different time. But here's one I liked. Sammy Sam Sam writes, third party vote for burying myself a lot. No, wait, that's the wrong one. Okay, Sam Frederick writes, third party vote for masterpiece. I miss my homies. You just can't beat sitting in the ghetto thinking about all my homies passed away. Okay, okay. All right. The one I was about to read here for a second said, Sammy Sam Sam writes, Third-party vote for burying myself alive and letting worms slowly devour my body. If I'm going to contemplate mortality, that's at least less boring than these songs. And yet we've talked for well over an hour about them. Well, that's because we're professionals who have lots of interesting thoughts and feelings. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Next. Griffin writes, I'm not well-versed in the R&B genre by any means, but listening to One Sweet Day for the first time just now, I was struck by the thought that this just might be the most cliche 90s R&B song I'd ever heard. All that was missing was a deep voice repeating part of each line for emphasis. 
And then the second verse started. (laughs) (laughs) I love, you know, there's only three boys to men's now. Yeah. And uh, like the the fourth guy had to uh, drop out for health reasons, but he was the bass guy. He was the one that does all the amazing monologues. Girl, I know you cheated on me. I just never cared. I just just want you to come back to me. People don't like that, and people are wrong. People are extremely wrong. That rules. I loved it then, and I love it now. All right. Martha Boatwright writes, One Sweet Day is my choice for better song, but Candle in the Wind is more important because without it, we don't get Bye Bye Little Sebastian. Oh, is this a this is a Parks and Rec thing, isn't it? Yes, it's a Parks and Rec thing. There's a uh, Chris Pratt character writes a song called A Thousand Candles in the Wind to signify his grief. I thought it was funny. You're I, I, I you don't seem like much of a Parks and Rec fan. I, I've watched some of it. And it seemed <laughs> it seems fine. I mean, you got it that it was a Parks and Rec reference. So you or is it just in the culture that much? No, I'm with it. I'm hip. All right. Took a took a took a. All right, one last one. Bowsette writes, don't care about the matchup much, but I just wanted to say that I did get the Gunbuster reference from last episode, Lena, and I loved it. You're welcome. And thank well, you. <laughs> what was Gunbuster? I don't even remember us talking about this. It was, a, I didn't get an, it was an anime that I brought up because I had recently watched it, even though it's from the 1980s. All right. I'm rewatching Project Echo right now for you, for you, person who got my reference. Yeah, I don't know what any of this means. Anyway, I think that's it for the comments, which just leaves the results. Are you mm-hmm. ready? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, actually, what's your prediction? My prediction is that um, Mariah Carey and Boyce and Men are going to wipe the floor. Wipe the floor with Candle in the Wind? Absolutely. 97. I don't even think it's going to be close. All right. Well, here we go. For a total of 275 to 274. What? That's a 50.0001% to 49.99%. The winner is Candle in the Wind 97. (laughs) No fucking shot. That's why you were laughing as we came into this. No, like when it matches like this, I have to like download the spreadsheet because it doesn't tell me who actually won. And I had to like count them with the spreadsheet one by one to see which one won. And without my vote, uh candle in the wind would have won by two votes. So if oh, I you wanted vote. to go I vote, voted. you can vote right now and even it up so we can have our first 50% even matchup. I'm going to do it right now. Okay. I mean, your vote counts. There's no reason why it shouldn't count. I voted. I didn't know that you voted. Oh, I always vote. I'm just one person. I'm allowed. Okay. I'm not like putting I, my thumb on the scale. I count well, as much now, as keep, anyone keep, else. Keep in mind now, uh, this says that there are 551 votes according oh, to this. Has it so changed? Go, is go it changed in, in the... Do it. We've never done this before. I want you to go in and check again. Check okay. the results again. Hanging Chad. Here we go. Download results. It appears that uh, Mariah has pulled into the lead with yes! 276. So you don't even have to vote. We're going to make mean, I did leave vote. that. As, I did vote. I literally just voted. Okay. We're going to leave that as official. That means <laughs> that this means is, the, this is the shittiest thing we've ever done. That means <laughs> done our so two many votes, things in my life. This is our the worst. two votes swung 
the election, just like the election in the movie election. We See, uh, votes matter. Why don't you vote more? Why aren't you voting? Every vote counts. You got to vote. Rock the vote. We should bring back Rock the Vote, but for us, not for actual things that matter. Well, it's vote or die now, I guess. That was the last thing I'd heard. We're going to bring Puffy. back Rock the Vote. We're doing it. All right. And speaking of Puffy, I could absolutely uh, do my Puffy tra- uh, tragedy of the mid-90s songs, but we're not going to do that because I don't... F- uh, that's too much grief for two in a row. So all that is left for me to is to announce the next one. But before I do that, remember... Please support us on the Patreon. Please, 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 pretty please. We desperately need your money. We, we love you. We appreciate it at least. We desperately appreciate your money. Also, I'm broke. But <laughs> please help. Um, and don't forget to rock the vote. All right. Anyway, are you ready for the next one? Yes, let's let's do it. Now that we've cheated to make the one I wanted win, <laughs> I'm ready for the next one. It's ready not and cheating, God damn to it. go. But anyway, here we go. We are going to be doing The Lonely Islands, I'm on a Boat, versus Weird Al Yankovic's White and Nerdy. No way. Yes. How long I've waited for a Weird Al song. <laughs> and how long I've waited for, uh, for Lonely Island to be the thing that it would go up against. I knew there were a lot. I was, I was wondering if it was going to end up being a Flight of the Concords thing. Which I'm sure we'll talk about. I feel like Flight of the Concords is going to come up. Uh, I could, I, I guess, I could have put hip hip hopopotamus versus rhinoceros in there. But yes, that's going to be a good one, and it'll probably get a lot more votes than this one did. I hope. Rock the vote. Yes, rock the vote. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.